Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of His word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, experts in engaging children with the Word of God. Together, we will make sure that you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Welcome back to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a ministry of Bible to School. I'm your host, Meredith Steidler, and this is episode 110. In addition to a powerful testimony and an overview of the books he's authored, our guest today, Champ Thornton, shares insightful ways we can boldly raise up the next generation for Jesus. Before you leave today, be sure to head over to our website, bible2school.com, to check out our show notes so you can easily access Champ's books and check out his podcast called In the Word on the Go. Also, have you subscribed to our show yet? If not, take a quick second and do just that. And while you're at it, go ahead and like the Bible to School Facebook and Instagram pages and check us out on Pinterest and YouTube. Ready to hear simple ways to raise bold kids for Jesus? Join my conversation with Champ now. Well, hi, friends. Welcome back to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. I am super excited to introduce our guest today, Champ Thornton. He and his wife, Robin, live in Delaware and enjoy being parents to three energetic kiddos. Champ is an acquisitions editor at Crossway, working with children's books and content development. He is also the author of a number of books for kids and families, and he hosts an awesome 10-minute podcast for families, all of which I am overjoyed to share with you today. Really all great resources. So Champ, welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Meredith, it is great to be with you. Thanks for inviting me to be on your podcast, and I am really looking forward to our conversation today. Awesome. Me too. First, I would just love, would you please tell us who is your favorite author? And then just give us one of their books you might recommend. All right. So if when I say this, all my children will be like their eyes will be rolling because they're just sick and tired of hearing me because I'm a big fanboy of a biographer named Robert Caro. So he has won the Pulitzer Prize on at least two occasions. He's been writing for almost 50 years. He's like 87 years old. Don't get me started about like all the biography and details about the author. But he writes huge biographies you know, an almost 1,300-page biography of someone you've never heard of from New York City, won the Pulitzer Prize. It's called The Power Broker. He's written four volumes of a biography of Lyndon Johnson. He's currently working on volume five. I pray he finishes. They're enormous, and they're just so incredibly researched, incredibly written. I've read through all of them at least twice, and some of them I'm on my third pass. So incredible. Wow. Big fan of Robert Caro. Yep. (laughs) Okay. Well, I wrote that down because I've not even heard of that. So thank you. Thank you for that. So at Bible to School, we're teaching the Bible to children during their school day because we know how critical it is to teach truth to the next generation, especially in the years when they're most impressionable, which is elementary age. And we know truth comes from the word of God. So likewise, the goal of our podcast is to help our listeners do the same. So this is exactly why I'm so excited to have you here today, Champ, to talk about ways to cultivate bold faith in the next generation. I chose this topic for Champ because the first thing I noticed when I clicked on his website was the title bar, which said that all generations might hope in God. So Champ, I just love this simple mission statement. And I am curious, 
what got you to where you are today as an author with this vision? Yeah, when you go to Psalm 78, right, and it talks about how we communicate who God is to the next generation, that's one of the phrases from that psalm that the next generation might set their hope in God. That's not just something we want for our children. It's something we want for ourselves. It's really for every generation. And so we're not there just to fill our kids' heads with facts about the Bible and facts about God. Yes, we need to know what he has said and who he is and what he expects from us, but it's a relationship. We trust him because sometimes life is hard and we wonder, where is God and what is going on? And I thought I'm doing the right thing, but now hard things have happened. Those are times when you know, we bridge that gap between where we are and what God has promised in faith. We believe we have set our hope in him. It's like the Heidelberg Catechism begins. Question number one, what is your only hope in life and death? And it begins, it says that I am not my own, but belong to my faithful savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, that is it. You know, it's like this life is not about us. It's about God. This life is not all there is, there is an eternity ahead of us, and we don't live for ourselves. We live for him. So that is our hope. He is our hope. Amen. Amen. What what started you on this journey with this passion? I think I heard in there you say it's a relationship, not a religion. I have a sinking suspicion that something has to do with your children and you raising them up in this way. Am I right? Yeah. So, I mean, how do we come to be the people we are and the people we want to be? It's a, it's a huge question. But of course, there's nothing like actually having a child in your arms and thinking, oh, goodness, you know, they didn't come with instructions. And what do I do now? And you know, now we're home from the hospital and, and, and what next? Yeah. But you know, those sobering occasions are also just mile markers along the way of a whole life of God's providence of, you know, your mom and dad pouring into you and teachers over the years pouring into you and pastors pouring into you. And when my wife and I were first married, we were in a church for about eight years during that season of life where the pastor just reminded us constantly that life is not about you, it's about God. And we heard that all the time. And we heard that, you know, the main thing is keeping the main thing, the main thing. And, and in the Bible, it's easy to get distracted with all sorts of emphases here and there that are good, right? But when the Bible itself, when Jesus says, let's summarize the whole Bible, it sounds like love God and love people, right? And so we want to hear the diverse emphases of scripture, the causes, the priorities, the commands, the promises, all these things. And yet, they're all toward how we know that we've been loved by God and then we love him in return and we love other people. And so having a pastor like that who would beat that into our heads, you know, week after week, mm -hmm. it's almost like it doesn't matter what the text says today. We're going to talk about loving God and loving people and the gospel. Then um, after a while, it begins to shape the way you think about life and think about God. Yeah, I feel like when we look back and say, OK, this emphasis of setting our hope in God, where does that come from? Where does that relational aspect come from? Well, by God's grace, it comes because God has put in his grace, kind people, helpful, Amen. godly people in your life. Amen. You know, you said those two things. I say all the time to my kids, what are the two most important things? And they know that is to love God and to love others. But they hear my voice all the time. And I think they right. say it almost with an eye roll because we're still working on the relationship part yeah. <laughs> with the Lord. But I love that they can hear it from others like you and like in your books. And then it can take on a different, more important meaning when they're hearing it from somebody other than mom and dad. So would you say, would you say that theme would be common throughout your books, the love God, love others? 
Yeah, I feel like it's directly brought up at at least one place and others along the way. And then I feel like it's always kind of running in the backgrounds as well. Like, it'll keep me from saying, uh, hey, something else is equally important when I know in my heart, like these are the main things. Yeah, that's good. So can you break down your books for us according to age range or maybe just give us a little sample? Because I know you have a whole bunch and I'd love our listeners to know what they are. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, So let's start with like young ages. So I have a board book coming out in August of 23. So just a few weeks from actually when you and I are talking and uh, it's called You Count. And it is a a book that talks about how uh, it's a rhyming book to help parents. It's a resource to help talk to their children about managing their emotions. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you handle big emotions. Uh, God gave us those emotions. Uh, then I've got a couple illustrated children's books. One's called Why Do We Say Goodnight? And basically years ago, our daughter, when she was little, was scared of the dark at nighttime. And so things we would say to her eventually found its way into this book. The fact that God didn't just make the daytime, he made the nighttime. That uh, I may leave for the night, but God never does. He's there. And you can't see in the dark, but he can see just as clearly as in the day. So these kind of truths are woven through that, again, in a rhyme. And then there's another book, Why Do We Say Thank You? And that is kind of a a fun Dr. Seuss kind of book. But basically, he's talking about how the little boy was grumpy and everything was not fun and he was bored out of his mind. And then it's because he's not really seeing what God has put around him, that the that the life and friends and all the animals and everything in life is just incredible because God made them. And because he made them, it's so amazing. Uh, there's no cause to be bored. And so we look at all of life like a window. We don't just look at the pane of glass. We look through it and see the brilliant creator beyond. Mm. And so um, that's why do we say thank you. So those are the illustrated kids books. And then we kind of move up into middle school. And there's a fiction book called the Serpent Slayer and the Scroll of Riddles. And basically, it's kind of a time travel book with a twist. And it takes kids through a biblical theme of scripture of snakes and dragons in the Bible. Cool. So that's a lot of fun. And then there's um, two nonfiction middle school books. One's called The Radical Book for Kids. And the second is creatively named uh, The Really Radical Book for Kids. (laughs) Oh, Uh, yes, yes. I have to interject here. I got the first one, The Radical Book for Kids. Oh, yeah. And I have to just share this story because I call it a God story. So we, my friends and I decided to do a Kids Connect this summer with middle school, kids going into middle school and that intermediate age. So even um, fifth grade is included in that. So I got that book to prepare for this interview, actually, but it was amazing the timing, how it arrived at my doorstep in time for this Kids Connect over the summer. Oh, cool. Because we just so happened to be teaching on Genesis 1 through 4. And when you open up this book in the introduction, it's, it gives you this Bible in one sentence. And on the next page is this beautiful outline of in the beginning and then at the ending. And it compares um, how God created things and then how God is going to end up redeeming all things. And Champ, let me tell you something. That part is the part when kids started opening up and talking, you know, like the initial, like I'm afraid to say anything in front of my mm, friends right. when we read the Bible. But your book made it interesting and brought it to life and it got them thinking. And so thank you for that. That's so cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's so cool. Like these books really are my way of capturing the things that God's taught me through the years that I found so helpful. And then it's kind of like the, in some ways, like the junk drawer of my brain as well. Like, you know, all the <laughs> stuff that kind of ends up in the junk drawer, I'm just kind of like turning it upside down and shaking it out for everybody else, which is yeah. kind of scary. But it really kind of goes back to when I was 29, 29 years old. 
and I'm married. We don't have any kids at that point. And I get, I have a blood clot and I have that blood clot turns into a pulmonary embolism and I'm in the hospital. And I mean, people die from that, you know, and then I find out that it's because I have a genetic blood disorder that makes me clot more than the average person. Oh, wow. And, you know, you're 29, you think, I mean, you're invincible, you, you know, I got decades to live and then, oh, yeah, you know, I realized like, I'm, you know, your mortality is staring you right in the face. Mm. And, you know, probably, hopefully in not an unhealthy way, but like you go through something like that and, you know, you think about your mortality uh, almost every day. I did. It made me very aware that, you know, maybe I'll live a normal length life, normal, humanly speaking, 70, 80, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe not. And I want my kids to know the things that God has taught me, things that have been useful to me spiritually, that have been helpful to point me to the Lord, to how to understand the Bible, to think about life in all its different facets, whether it's Mm -hmm. history or literature or apologetics or evangelism or just, you know, all this array of topics. And so these books are basically just a huge smorgasbord Mm -hmm. of facts and ideas and things that I thought were interesting and helpful. And so that is the genesis of where a lot of these books and these chapters have come from. Well, I am very thankful for your helpfulness. It was helpful. Thank you. (laughs) I'm so glad. That's encouraging. Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. What would have happened if Adam and Eve would have never sinned? To imagine the earth without sin is like imagining having heaven here on earth. Heaven is without sin. And the Garden of Eden was originally without sin as well. But if Adam and Eve would have never sinned and therefore did as God commanded them to do in Genesis 1:28, which was be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. Then we would be enjoying God's creation and relationship with him in a much different way. So I interrupted you. Did you have some more books to mention? So other books, let's see. There are a couple devotionals. There's a family Advent devotional called Wonders of His Love. And basically we're looking at where is Jesus in the book of Isaiah. And it, got, it has crafts and projects as well as something that families can read together different nights of the week. And it's not one of those four pages every night for the whole month of Advent. You know, it's a little more reasonable. It's like, you know, a couple nights a week and it's it's manageable and kind of like a bowl of marbles. You can pick out the ones you want and leave the ones that don't fit that particular week because it's such a busy time, you know, oh, yeah. Christmas. Oh yeah, that's so good. There's a devotional on Proverbs, mainly for parents and grandparents. Basically, you do your devotions in in the book of Proverbs, which is provided and uh, with some guided notes, and then you answer questions. The idea is like you fill it out and you're going to hand it off to one of your kids, kind of uh, imparting a legacy of wisdom. And so there's a space in there for based on what you've read from that chapter of Proverbs for you to, to pray for your child and write that prayer down. So this is a source of wisdom and blessing for your kids and grandkids. So okay. it takes a little work, but you know it's something mm-hmm. that uh, you can do to encourage your family. And years from now, they'll tre- wow. treasure that. Absolutely. I love that idea. So I know there's no secret sauce, but based on your experience and then feedback from your readers, I'd just love for you to share with our listeners ways to cultivate bold faith in their children. Like, how do we do that, practically speaking? So, yeah, here's what comes to mind. When we talk about boldness, we're not talking about something that's odd, right? So, I mean, no one's saying, hey, be bold in your answer about the sky being blue, right? (laughs) You walk outside and you're like, it's blue, right? Any questions? Like, open your eyes. This is what it is. 
So I think it becomes tricky to be bold when we have opposition. It's tricky when maybe it's not as simple to understand. Mm -hmm. It's tricky when maybe we even have questions ourselves, right? And none of those things apply to the sky being blue, right? So whatever we can do as parents to help prepare our kids to see the givenness of life in this world, to see how things really, really are, right? It really is true. The sky is blue, but it really also is true that God made the world to work in a certain way. When we go against the grain of the universe, as someone has said, we get splinters. That God's word gives us the inside scoop on how he's made the world to work. But then it goes beyond that. And there's another reality. The sky is blue, but yes, also there's a God and we're also sinners. We're made in his image, but we've rebelled against God. And he's not stopped there. He's come after us and sent his son to be our rescuer. So these are all realities, just like the sky is blue. And so as parents, our job is to help our kids understand what reality is. Yeah. And, you know, when the kids are two, you know, we may not be talking about the ins and outs of salvation. We might be praying with them, talking about Jesus. But we also understand that for a two-year-old, you know, we don't play around the stove or we don't play on the stairs. Why? Because that's how God made the world to work. You know, it's like there are wisdom things. So our, all of what we do as parents are always helping our kids sync up with what's real in this world. Mm. And the more we can do that as, as parents, these things grow and change over time. Like you're probably not talking to your three-year-old about gossip, but there are realities that when kids get older, gossip is destructive, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Loose morals as they get older, that can be destructive. All these things in life, we're just helping our kids see, look, This is how God made the world to work. And we have to live accordingly. And whether it's wisdom issues, whether it's spiritual and moral issues, when we do that, the more it's just sort of like, this is the way it is. Uh, At some point, we pray that God will turn the light on in their hearts, that they'll become Christians, right? But as they're moving toward faith and are turning to Christ, and then after they turn to Christ, we're always pointing them to how life really is. And so I think the more we kind of understand this is how it is. Then when we encounter people who say, no, that's not how it is. It's kind of like talking to someone who says, yeah, the sky's not blue. And you kind of go, okay, well, all right, I'm going to be loving. And, um, (laughs) but they're not going to be shaken because they've seen the sky. They know it's blue. That's so good. I love how you can start just so simply with that simplistic truth of the sky is blue, because that is something that we can, we can start with. And then as they get older, like you said, we can shift with them into harder concepts to grasp. And that that will become natural as we just do life with them. So yeah, that's really great. Thank you for that. And I think I just to interrupt a second longer is in many ways, like we think about like our kids and Jesus, we often think like church, right? And that's incredibly important. And there are, you know, churches are ally in pointing our children to what is real, just like we do. But sometimes if we're not connecting Jesus with real life, sometimes it will feel like Jesus is good for Sundays and for mm-hmm. spiritual things, but oh, yeah. it has nothing to do with real life, nothing to do with ice cream and pizza and friends and movies and jobs, right? right? And so the more we can like connect our children with like, no, help them see, these are all connected. We live in God's oh, yeah. world and all of it's real, the more it will help them be bold. Oh yeah. I mean, I can succinctly remember when I, my kids were young, like you said, like they don't even know how to say the word blue yet, but you can be in the car driving somewhere and say, look at this beautiful day God has given us. You know, just even having right. God be a part of that conversation, it, it's, it gets them used to hearing that. It also gets them used to praising for the things that you see that are in God's design and are beautiful. Yes. So that then when they're a little bit older, so like what I do, my kids are 10, 12, and 14 now, 
I can share with them what the Lord spoke to me in his word that morning and say how our God of details literally showed me that exact thing in my conversation with my friend at two o'clock that afternoon. And that's a God story that they can take with them at an older age. And it's not weird to them because mom's been speaking this stuff into them forever and ever. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I love it. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. They still think I'm strange sometimes, but like you said, we're going to pray that God opens their eyes to reveal the truth that mom is not that strange. (laughs) (laughs) And as parents, we embrace the strangeness, like bring it on. We're weird. We're odd. One day they'll think differently. Yeah. And you, and then you grow. So my prayer right now for my kids is that they would taste and see that he is good, you know, and even if they're only getting a sampling crumb off of my relationship with the Holy Spirit, that's okay. Because once you taste it, you're going to want more of that daily bread to the point where then all of a sudden it's not strange at all. Like it's, it's what you need. It's what you want. That's right. They've seen the sky is blue and they're not going to get pushed off that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So I also wanted to mention, because along with this, you know, natural talking about the Lord and the sky being blue and the God stories, we do need to pour in the word of God. And you have a really awesome podcast I can't believe I just found out about that does that. It takes, well, I'll let you talk about it, but I think it takes a scripture a day and digs in a little bit so we can understand what God's word is actually saying. Is that right? Yeah. So the podcast I started a number of years ago is called In the Word on the Go. And I'm not recording new podcasts at the moment. Maybe I'll get back to that. But there's a bunch of them already out there uh, and that's available. And in each episode, basically, I interview a pastor, an author, a teacher, a parent, and ask them about one of their favorite verses of the Bible. And then I ask usually a standard list of questions depending on, and pull from that depending on what I feel is appropriate for the moment. And a couple of reasons for that. One is a few years ago, I was taking my kids to school, you know, every other day, my wife would take them on some days and, and we would tag team there. And I thought, you know, I, I would love to have a podcast we can listen to in the car in the morning. And I thought, well, okay, I'll do it. And so I listened with my own kids as well. And I wanted them to think about God's word for 10 minutes, give them something to discuss together in the car before I dropped them off. But not only that, I wanted to also kind of, if I pop the hood and like what's behind it all is Mm -hmm. I want to teach even 10 year olds good Bible study method. So I want to ask questions like, okay, what does it say? the, The verse, what does it say about God? What does it say about what God has said? What are some things we might easily misunderstand? Uh, what does God ask us to do here? You know, things like that. So yeah. that, you know, if you hear these enough of the same questions over and over and over about a verse of scripture, various verses of scripture, mm-hmm. then there's going to be, okay, hopefully it sinks in a little bit when I open my Bible and I read yeah. a verse. These are some questions that I can bring to the passage as well. So it's called In yeah. the Word on the Go, and it's one verse for 10 minutes. And hopefully it's a good conversation starter for moms and dads as they're running errands with their kids. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I was listening thinking, oh, my kids can listen. This this is short enough to keep their attention. Or if I've heard it, I can take it home and say, hey, let's go to Isaiah 23. And like, I want to show you this verse that, um, that I heard and tell me what you think about it. And then we can discuss it from there. So thank you for for doing that. So one of the things here at Bible to School that fuels our engines and encourages our members is our God stories. We love talking about the amazing things he's done in and through this program. So Champ, I'd just love to know, do you have maybe just one God story you could share from your own personal journey to encourage our audience today? Yeah. So, you know, I think in many ways, God meets us in real big milestone moments. We probably can all look back and say, yeah, there are times when that church service, you know, that conversation, that drive in the car when I was listening to whatever 
on the radio or on my phone. But then I also think that often God meets with us in just the regular routines and rhythms of life. And so I have found as an adult that, I mean, probably in my 30s, into my 30s, maybe even early 40s, I found that my time with the Lord in the morning was not everything I wanted it to be. It wasn't as consistent. And I really struggled with that. And then I found that if I had a plan, like I knew where I was going to sit, what I was going to read that day, what time, you know, it was before coffee, it was after coffee, you know, I, <laughs> I knew like what my routine was for me and my personality. That was the key that unlocked the door to regular daily time with mm -hmm. Jesus. And I have found more growth and more fruit from something as ridiculous as just knowing a routine. And I would even say, not only has the Lord met with me consistently then and in life-changing ways, but then it's also been something that's been useful for our family, where even when our kids were little, I would, uh, you, know, you know, here's a three-year-old, a four-year-old, we're like, all right, we're going to have you had your Bible time today. And so it might be that they sit on the couch with, you know, a Bible story book and they look at a couple of pictures and they act like they're reading and they point at some things. And I'm like, that's great. You know, and then, mm -hmm. all right, we're done. And, you know, I think you, you get a routine of an expectation as a family that then, you know, they're not getting hardly anything out of it, probably as a four-year-old, but when they become six and they can actually start to read a little bit at that age, uh, and then a little older, they're reading a little more that, you know, I would rather my kids spend 60 seconds doing something with Jesus, praying to him, looking at something for most days of their growing up than for them to try to do, you know, 10 minutes a day or half an hour a day when that's probably not very realistic. Mm -hmm. And to build in habituation, to build in that routine so that when they're 14 years old or 18 years old and they're sitting down with the Lord, there's a serious engagement with Jesus Christ through mm -hmm. his word and by his spirit. Mm -hmm. And so I know how God's used that in my life. And I mean, I really yeah. want that for my kids. I love how you said, so that with an emphasis, I actually have a plaque that hangs on my fireplace that says, so that, mm. because it's the why, right? We have to remember our why. Why are we doing this? <laughs> why are we instilling in our kids what reality is? Why are we encouraging routine even when it seems like they're totally not listening? Why are we doing these things? You just said it. The so that is so that they love Jesus in mm -hmm. the end and, and that they follow him so that they can love God and love others so convincingly that they bring others into the kingdom too. I mean, what better so that is there, right? That's exactly right. Amen. May God do that. Yeah. Yeah. And we pray that. So champ, I'm going to repeat it again. The top two things you've said so far are help kids understand what reality is walk them through that and then encourage, encourage routine. Do you have um, just one last word of encouragement for our listeners at You Can Tell the Children podcast? It's all ages. Um, it can be aunts and uncles influencing kids. It can be a mentor, a Sunday school teacher, mom, dad. What else would you leave us with today? So we, I come from a family of teachers. You get my dad in the basement with his, you know, collections of things that he has in the basement. He's always talking and teaching about, you know, whatever, you know, is, is in front of him that he's collected. But the reality is, is you don't have to come from a family of teachers to be like that. It's, you know, we're mm. always teaching, right? So on our good days as parents, we are able to teach our kids about following Jesus and teaching them about the holiness of God, right? And on our bad days, we also are teaching. Mm. And what we get to teach on our bad days, we get to teach humility and we get to teach the gospel and grace of God. Mm. We should never feel as a parent like 
I messed up again. I'm going to like just ruin my kids. Now, are there ways that we could harm our children? Yes, for sure. Don't do that stuff, right? Yeah. Work hard to pursue the Lord and live a, a godly life and control our emotions. But the reality is that when we mess up, we get frustrated, we lose our cool, we uh, are not patient. And that cues up an opportunity for us to showcase the good news of Jesus in mm. a humble way with our kids and teach them what repentance looks like and what asking for forgiveness looks like and what yeah. peacemaking looks like. And so, you know, what grace God gives us as parents that on our good days, we're leaning in and we're faithfully teaching them the things that they need to know about how they should live. And when we don't, we also get to teach them as well. Yeah, there's so much hope because there's Amen. Jesus. Amen. Wow. Thank you so much, Champ, for giving us practical examples of ways we can impact the next generation for Jesus. That's what we need to know that this is possible. This is doable. And I love how you just said, even in our worst days, we can do that. That's really powerful. So Champ, I would just love if you would close our time together in prayer for our listeners today. Could you do that? Gladly. Meredith, it's been great to be with you today. Thank you. Thank you. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have sent your Son into this world to be our rescuer. Lord, we have no hope except for him. No hope for ourselves, no hope for our families, no hope for the future, but we have all the hope because of Jesus. He has come to set everything right. And so we look to him and not to ourselves. We commend our children to him and not to our own efforts. We ask for his enablement. We ask for his grace. We thank you that we have it because we belong to him. We pray that you would, in your grace, spread the fame of Jesus Christ through our children and their children into the generations to come, that others would love and trust you more because of the good work that you are doing through our feeble efforts. And so we ask this and we ask for your spirit's help. We ask for your enablement by your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, Champ, for reminding us of the simple truth that indeed the sky is blue and teaching kids the reality of this life, tying it together with God's word. It will help them as they grow and encounter opposition with boldness. Speaking of truth and God's word, did you know that Bible to School is a nationwide public school ministry? Yeah, nationwide. This means every child in the United States can learn biblical truth during their public school day. So to see if this program is available in your community, just go to our website, bible2school.com. That's bible, the number two, school.com. And click on find a program where you can then enter your zip code and search. If you don't see a local program, just click start a program and find out how easy it is to take the next step. While you're already on our website, click on over to the resources tab to find our podcast show notes. Here, you'll easily link to the books Champ authored, as well as his In the Word on the Go podcast. I also just caught wind that his newest kids book, You Count, a five senses countdown to calm, was released and is now available to you. So finally, don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and your family. It only takes one second, guys, but it really is a huge help to our ministry. As always, don't forget to stop in here next week for more content that you'll love. And remember, you can tell the children about Jesus.